Hey, y'all. Hey. Welcome back, and thank you for joining today's episode of Shattering Glass Ceilings, the Black and Brown Series podcast. I am your host, ADHD and Transformation Life Skills Coach, Advocate, and author of Shattering Glass Ceilings, Tanya Irby Langley. Today's topic will be special ed, COVID-19, and other stuff from an administrative lens. And today I am super excited to bring to you my guest, Dr. Selena Morgan, Executive Director of Elementary Education for the City of Bridgeport Public School District here in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Yeah, if you didn't know, I hail from Bridgeport, Connecticut. And yes, black and brown people, we do live in Connecticut. But anyway, Dr. Morgan came to Bridgeport from New York as an assistant principal. Dr. Morgan worked at Winthrop School here in Bridgeport for six years as an assistant principal and then later on became the principal where she served at Winthrop School for eight years. As mentioned earlier, Dr. Morgan is the executive director of elementary education, supervising 10 schools. Dr. Morgan holds two master's degrees, one in early childhood education and the other in administration and supervision. And she also holds a doctorate in leadership. That's right, educated, strong black woman. We welcome to our platform, Dr. Selena Morgan. So thank you for joining me, Dr. Morgan. How is it going? Okay, well, I was happy to say that it is going. I would have to say that it is going okay. I can't say it's going great. I can't say, you know, it's going bad. I think it's going okay because um, we hit a few bumps in the road. We just opened. There were some um, items of tasks that came up. The technology is really, you know, a challenge, mm-hmm. uh, you know, in certain cases, you know, with people not having it or we're not having enough devices, especially mm-hmm. for little ones. Um, or people just don't know how to use it when mm-hmm. they get it home. You can give them a device. They take it home. They're like, okay, I don't know how to log in now. So that's been kind of bumpy. And then I think we're working out the kinks. I'm glad we started in September and not later like some school districts are because as we go along, we're getting better and better week by week. Okay. We've worked out a lot of the kinks. And also, um, we've been able to put some um, protocols in place that we have for our reopening plan in case any COVID issues came up. Mm-hmm. So those were going along smoothly with that. That's working out. So I think in general, I would say it's okay. I say I would hope by December it gets better because, okay. I, you know, I expect more. <laughs> and how are families doing? Just, you know, I know this is an offshore question, but just thinking about what you're saying, mm-hmm. how are the families, what is the feedback you're getting from families? Is there still some reservation about what they're feeling with COVID-19? Mm-hmm. Do they feel safe with sending their children into the in, in-house uh, environment? Mm-hmm. Or are they more comfortable with the hybrid or, you know, just totally keeping them home altogether? What's the temperature there? I, I feel like I feel like they are. Um, I think they are feeling good about sending their kids in. We haven't had really anyone say, you know, I don't want my kid to come back anymore. Okay. Um, especially in the upper grades, they are. We are having to go on rotations now. What rotations are is. You know, when the classes mm. get above a certain number, we can't social distance. We have to now rotate some students out. So okay. instead of coming five days, we have 17 kids in the class. We'll take five out one day. Um, they'll be virtual while the other 12 will be okay. in school. Then the next day will be a different five just to keep the numbers down because okay. we do have to maintain the social distancing. So I think they feel good about that. But I think they're also frustrated. They're frustrated with the technology. Right. It's, it's very difficult when you are doing virtual learning with a kindergartner yeah. and you can't log in. They don't know their ID. And right. Because they're only five. So what do they know about logging in? Exactly. It's like, well, mommy and mommy's going, but I don't know. It's supposed to work like this and it's not working. Right. You know, or, um, you know, they take it back and say, you know, this, you don't have the program on here. Yeah. So. There are a lot of those issues, and it's frustrating. But, yeah, I think they, they like their kids to be in school. Okay. Mm-hmm. So in regards to the technology, have there been any informationals or sessions where parents can just have a, a, a overview of how to use the system and they know where to go when they're having difficulties with mm-hmm. technology? Yes. In fact, when we closed and we first started distance learning, it was new for everybody. Right. The first thing we said was we have to, get, we have, to have some sessions for parents. Right. So we did have some sessions for parents, but, you know, people work. Yeah. People work and they work two jobs. Some people worked in healthcare. Yeah. So, and many you know, of our, our parents are essential workers. So exactly. you know, what do you do in a situation and where mom has to work? Dad exa- has to work. Exactly. Um, exactly. But some
some people have called up and, uh, you know, some of our um, teachers and some of our IT people have been able to get on the phone and kind of walk them through it, but that doesn't hit everybody. Right. And so it's difficult. And it's just like right. our children, they are, are so, so many different levels of learning. Exactly. Um, and some people are challenged with technology. I know the teachers I'm, I'm good with it, but um, some things I, I do need a little uh, support and so I totally understand that. Yeah, so that along with COVID is it, extremely frustrating and it's frustrating when you finally get it. Yeah. You come back and now you get a different device and it's like, wait a minute, this is not the same one the I had. last time. <laughs> well, one I got used to. to. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. but um, other th that's the that's the biggest, I think that's the biggest challenge we have right now. Mm -hmm. But thank God we have everyone's in so if they call me or if they email me I'm able to get back to them or email IT if they right. say listen I'm really frustrated you know I haven't been able to get an answer can you give me an answer and we'll all pitch in and try and get some help for the parents so okay. so we're trying to work those things out so as you know during these unprecedented times amid COVID-19 many families find themselves challenging um, being challenged in circumstances on deciding what is the best education plan for their students, and this is especially true with our special ed students. As you know, my focus is on ADHD, right. um, and we have a lot of students in our district that are labeled as ADHD mm -hmm. or some type of special education um, yes. diagnosis. How is that working for our spec ed students? Can you share some of the biggest concerns you've seen so far and how these are being um, worked I out with accommodations? Oh, the biggest concerns is definitely meeting the IEP goals. Right. That was that was a big concern when we shut down. We had to figure out how to do PPTs, uh, you know, within the timelines. Mm -hmm. The state was not, they didn't care about COVID. Nope. It had to be done. There were mandates in place. So those were our biggest concerns. We have we, we have worked some of those out. Mm -hmm. We are we are good with PPTs good. virtually. I just saw one um, in the SPED office. Uh, we allow parents to come in and we have a space where we can meet and socially distance. Mm -hmm. um, the other piece is, you know, making sure that the SPED students are able to interact with their non-disabled peers. Right. And we couldn't do that. We couldn't really do that. Um, you know, when we shut down, we, we actually didn't think of it because we're right. so busy trying to just get the devices out and get people on board with trying to get some sort of learning in place. At that time, we had packets. Right. So that was a problem mm -hmm. for our SPED students because... They were getting a packet from math. They got mm -hmm. a packet from reading. They got a packet from science. They got a packet from social studies. Then they got a packet from the SPED teachers, and they got a packet from the speech. We said, whoa, wait a minute. We're we overwhelming them. So we had right. to work some things out. So now it's better. What we've done is we have cohorted uh, our special ed, uh, education kids. We've had to redefine how we mm -hmm. group them. Okay. So if they're virtual and they're online and, they're, and the class is there, we have tasked the teachers with engaging all of the students in the class so they can't just talk to the group they have to talk to everybody, everybody. okay and they have to turn and focus and say hey yeah you know, so, so in the class are you listening right yes. exactly are you listening what do you think about that awesome. give your opinion so mm -hmm. with that being said I'm getting a sense that even with our special ed students, many of them have returned back to the classroom. Oh, yes. That's good, because I know that was a mm -hmm. big uproar back in July, the end of July, beginning of August, with a lot of families saying, listen, hey, our children need to be in front of instruction. They yes, have they certain do. requirements in that IEP that just cannot be met. And I'm not educated enough, <laughs> nor did I sign up to be a spec ed teacher. That's so right. So I totally can understand that from the parent perspective. Are these concerns um, with the COVID-19 and everything that we're seeing, are those mm -hmm. concerns with ADHDers more prevalent, you think, in the instruction face-to-face -face or um, with virtual? It sounds like from what you just mm -hmm. shared, everyone is pretty much on an even playing field and you're, mm -hmm. they're navigating through it as best as they can. Yeah, we are, but uh, you know, ADHD kids, are um, they present a little bit differently. Um, when you are when they're stressed, mm -hmm. those behaviors start to show up. So they may be online screaming out, shouting out, uh, demanding mm -hmm. attention, or something like that. So um, we have to be aware of that, right. and the teachers have to be aware of who their ADHD kids are right. and what to expect during times like this, COVID times. They're stressed, right? So they're going to show different behaviors. So they've had to put some things in place. And one of the things is, let's not start with math right away. Yeah. 
<laughs> you know, <It's> very overwhelming. <laughs> <laughs> Let's do something. You know, ADHD, right. ADHD kids. If they find something interesting, They're they focused. will focus. They're laser focus. Let's start with something interesting for them. Maybe a little activity mm -hmm. before we get into the heavy lifting. Yeah. So we've had to change some things up, and maybe we don't have. We're not addressing. You know, eight different. You know. Eight different at one personalities or IEP mm -hmm. goals mm -hmm. yeah, at once because they need more attention. Right. This, that's just the way it is. And not to mention with COVID-19, let's be real, we've mm -hmm. never experienced this, not in my lifetime, never. and I don't think yeah, that you're much no. <laughs> older than me. Ew. At least you don't look it anyway. No, 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 Looking never. fabulous, by the way. Oh, thank you. Um, <laughs> Got my hair done. Got my hair done, girl. Thank you. <laughs> um, at least we know with that, um, we, you know, we pretty much can say we've never lived through anything like this. Yeah. Um, so we are basically so. building the plane while we're flying it. And we're learning a lot about things that were kind of left unsaid prior to COVID-19. I know that I always have conversations with people. My ADHD is 26 years old and I still have a love for this work because yeah. I work with many of the clientele that still struggle with this diagnosis. Yeah. But it's interesting to me that if even having an adult ADHD or seeing some of this high stress levels that they, they, they deal they, with, yes. it never goes away. They and not go. to mention, as normal functioning mm -hmm. people, we too have those stress levels. I know That's one day I'm happy, one day I'm sad, one day I'm up, one, one day, day I'm you're down. anxious, one day you're... You, you don't just know the way what it to is. expect. It's just exactly. like, and then with all of the craziness that's been revealed in our society, it's like... It's very hard. You have those equity issues. Yes. You know that um, our, our students who are a little bit older, maybe ADHD, maybe now they're angry yes. at what they've seen on TV, mm -hmm. and now they get on... Now they get on this virtual thing with a teacher who they know, right? Who they know, who they know. have been treating them a certain way, yeah. and now they're not. They're not. They don't want to hear it. Yeah. So we have to think about all of these things because they all impact instruction, right? You know. And when we're here, we want to make sure they get the skills they need so they can compete. No well, matter I have who to they say, are. I'm really proud of Bridgeport. Mm -hmm. For many of you, I mm -hmm. am a native of Bridgeport, Connecticut. That is yeah. my hometown, born and raised. Mm -hmm. um, I know that every district is dif different, but I know some of the adversities and struggles that I mm -hmm. had raising my ADHD -er in Bridgeport. Yes. Yes. Um, things have changed. While some things have stayed the same, but it's mm -hmm. really, really refreshing. Yes. To see the commitment of the educators, you know, I'm on social media and I hear, I see, mm -hmm. I was part of many of the calls that they were having early on trying to figure this out. Right. Parents were sounding off. The yes. children were sounding off. Everybody. Our young people. And what I was really impressed about mm -hmm. was the fact that our young people, our millennials, our youth oh. into millennials, they were, they're so passionate. Adding their voices. Adding their Adding voice. Their making, making. Emphasis. I don't think I ever did that when I was right. when I was like, their I'm age. I was so it. shy. I was like, wow, you know. Yeah, I, I, but I'm a like, They're rising up. I love it. Yes, I and we it. need that we need because that. the only world. way you world. can change the situation is to be part of the problem, and you can't make effective part change. of the solution. You have to be right? part <laughs> of the problem and part, part of the, the solution. solution. Right, so right. if you can't, you can't speak to the solution if you don't if know. don't know what it is exactly. And I'm so proud of our millennials. I'm so proud of our young people. And when I really look at it, they are the MVPs of this. They are teaching they are. us a lot about humanity. They're teaching yeah. us a lot about advocacy and they're teaching us a lot about how to hear, not just listen. So I'm yes, grateful so. for that. Um, do you feel that the district made the right choice in the models that were offered to the parents um, um, and especially to mm -hmm. our special ed students? I think they made the right choice. I think the parents needed a, needed a choice of sending them in school or having them online. Um, I think that perhaps maybe the middle school should have been hybrid like the high school because they're chomping at the bit to come back. Mm. And now I think that we're going to have to go hybrid anyway because yeah. those classes are filling up so fast. You know, they're social. They miss their friends. Yes. They want to come in person. So those are the classes that are really filling up really fast that are going to go on rotations and soon enough we're going to be on a hybrid. Right. So perhaps 6 to six to 12 should have been hybrid and the little ones in school because they need the most, atten right. most attention. And you can still direct mm -hmm. K through 5. Right. Kind of right. on instruction whereas the 6th grade through 8th grade they're at the peak at the peak they're of the peak. their hormones, they can do a lot. Yes. socializing, <laughs> and you know, yes. not really understanding. And they, need it. they need and to they socialize. do need it. They do need the social engagement. Mm -hmm. 
What should parents expect from their districts to support their ADHDers in their special ed students as far as instruction? It sounds like the communication is there, the instruction is there, mm -hmm. the direction is there. Mm -hmm. There's really not anything. What would you add to or recommend? I, I would recommend that at, at, at the least, the minimum, we should make sure that our um, most vulnerable, I'll just say most vulnerable students have the best technology, have, the, have what they need first. Mm. Make sure everything is working. Check it all out. You know, give it a little, uh, a couple of days, say, hey, we're gonna give this out to you, we want you to check it out mm. and let us know what's going on before you begin to instruct your kids because they don't need the added stress. Right. Because they are already, you know, stressed about everything going on, we don't need to add that to it. Right. So when you add that on top of it, it makes people wanna just mm -hmm. shake you. You don't need to, you know, add more gasoline mm -hmm. to the fire. I totally agree so, with that. So I think we need to just sort of just check out the technology first because that becomes extremely frustrating for people and they just throw their hands up. Right. Um, I know there was a closing last week uh, oh, with yes. one of the schools here. Mm -hmm. How is that going? Um, that's going okay. I think the school opened on the school opened yesterday. Awesome. It opened yesterday. It was fine. We, you know, everything was cleaned. What I'm finding is, and I'm glad you you mentioned that. What I'm mm. finding is there is not enough information given to parents. My goodness. Parents should know because one of the cases that came up could have been avoided. Mm. You know, the person went to a party. My goodness. The mother knew that they were, she was doing the right thing, right. but she didn't keep her daughter home. She sent her to school until she got the test back. Right. And we're saying, don't, if you, if you feel like that, keep them keep home. Them home. <laughs> parents, keep them keep home. Them home. Until you get the test. Right. And then you can say whatever you have to say. Yeah, be but don't proactive. Say but you know, we talk so much about attendance. Right. I can't blame the parent. The parent's like, no, you have to at and least go on really virtual scared. learning and yeah. say, hey. <laughs> yeah, they're really, really concerned about um, the attendance thing. But I think that in all yeah, reality, yeah. attendance mm -hmm. is the least of least concerns. Least of it, right? <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. But yeah, be proactive parents rather than reactive. It'll mm -hmm. save us all a lot. And this is not just in Bridgeport, Connecticut. This is across the country. Across the country. Um, because even with the college students, I'm hearing how they're, you know, some of them are back <laughs> on campus. And, and they're quite the campuses now. And I get that's the experience. That is the first year college experience. But, you know, you have to practice it's different now. judgment, yes. wisdom, okay. and just common sense. I feel really sorry for them, though, I Because, do. you know, I was you went to college. Yes, I went to I college. Did. We had so much fun our freshman year. We did. So and, you know, fun. you, you, you learn things. And now you just got to be careful. You have that's to be it. mindful, you know. Mm -hmm. I, and I'm really excited, even in Connecticut, to see how many colleges, mm -hmm. you know, took an act of faith and stepped on out there and had the kids come back. Uh, Southern in yes. particular, I have several friends, family members that are attending Southern come Connecticut back. State and they are, they're yeah, back. They're, they're out doing there. what they need to do. It's out there and guess what? It's not as, it's not as strong as the flu. Right. This is a flimsy virus. If you do what you're supposed to do, right. if you mask up, if you social distance, then you basically safe. Wash your hands. Yes. Let me not leave that out. Wash yes. your hands, social distance, and mask. You're basically okay because the virus doesn't last that long. Yeah. Flu virus lasts long, so you, right. you know. Right, and so. I think a lot of people were talking about that earlier on before we even knew what COVID-19 was or had a name. You know, a lot of people are saying that they felt that they had it back in the fall of last I, year. I had the flu in February. Right. Now, who knows what that was? Right. Although and, and they did say it was the flu, but who knows? Yeah, but know? some people were getting it back to back. I know mm -hmm. a couple of, of, of colleagues of mine got the flu in December around yeah. Christmas time and, and turned right back turned around back and, and had it in February. And, it something else. and, you know, you just don't know. And I so was just, in Texas in February. Yeah. I said, whoa, wait a minute. Right. <laughs> You know, I went on a cruise and then I came back from a cruise and I was traveling in, in the southern states. Yeah. There are hot spots. That's and, right. you know, thank by the grace of God, I didn't get anything. But, you know, just you never know what it is. You never know what it is. And you just have to be mindful of that. Yeah, now, I know so, that there has been mm -hmm. a lot of talk about the IDA and FAPE. And I know that you mentioned a little Oof. bit about it earlier on. Mm -hmm. And that in the beginning, you basically were just trying to make sure everyone was as prepared as they can as be. As we, as we progress within the four or five month period, a lot of families that have IEPs realize that we're not getting our instruction. And I heard across the board, mm -hmm. not just Connecticut, across, across the board. Across the board because it just, it just hit everyone and it's new. We're like, oh, we're shutting down. When they shut down in March, I'll be honest with you, I said, oh, we're going to be out a week, mm. two weeks maybe. We all thought that. I was like, oh my God, <laughs> we're not going back. <laughs> What's going on? So, you know, so the mentality, it was hard to wrap our minds around the fact that we have to do, we have to come up with a plan. We have to. And come up quick. with a plan. Very quick. That includes everybody. not 
care. No, they did you not have care. have to provide faith. And you that was to. the order of the federal government. Yeah. So the federal government didn't care hella high water. You need to make you sure. You have to provide faith. You yeah, and you have to be creative. And, and I often saw that it was mm -hmm. a statement made that stuck out to me because this is mm -hmm. how I think. And this is how I think about children with special needs and special education needs. You have to think out of the box. You have to think out of the box. You have to be creative. Mm. You got to figure it out. You have to figure so, it out. It's, it was nice to see that. Mm -hmm. um, do you think at this point you have a better handle on FAPE and what is to happen with okay. our, our students? I think we do. I think we do. So our students now have what's called a learning plan that supports their IEP. Mm -hmm. So they didn't have that before. Right. So, in, you know, and each IEP is different. So if it requires other services, we have a telehealth uh, people that we use. Awesome. Uh, the speech people are able to go on and do what they have to do with speech in terms of being virtual, you know, because mm -hmm. they look a lot. They have to look right. at the lips, right. watch articulation, mm -hmm. all of that. So we've had some, a lot of those things in place. As I said, the PPTs are ongoing and we're keeping up with the timelines. So we've kind of mediated that. Because we realize we don't have a choice. Right. <laughs> we don't have a choice. I'm glad we did, though. I'm kind of, I'm kind of happy and I'm kind of proud, like you are, of uh, the way people just stepped up. People have stepped yeah. up and tried to make every effort to make sure every child is involved. Right. Because, you know, you talk about ADHD, but mm -hmm. ASD kids, too, they're yeah. not, you know, they really... You know, they don't really do well with virtual. No. You have to, you have to really try to engage them. So that's a big piece also. And that was one of the biggest complaints mm -hmm. of parents. You know, my mm -hmm. child just does not do well in exactly. a virtual environment. And they need to be in the classroom. They have to be in the classroom. Um, I, you know, my, my sick way of thinking, you know, I was very um, on the fence about returning back into the classroom. And one of the things that I struggled with, and I, and I mentioned a lot in talking to people, was why wasn't it made mandatory mm -hmm. for anyone coming back into the, the physical aspect of learning to get tested for COVID-19? Well, because let's say you, let's say I got tested yesterday. Uh-huh. Who's to say tomorrow I didn't go out somewhere to a party? True. Around somebody and now I'm positive, although now, mm -hmm. I'm, now I'm thinking I'm negative. Mm -hmm. So the testing, um, it, I don't think it would have changed anything. Mm -hmm. I just don't think it would have. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was tested. I was tested maybe a month ago and I'm already thinking, you know what? I've been in and out of these schools. Let me get <laughs> tested <another> again. <laughs> and I've been in and out of the schools and I double mask when I right. go and I'm washing my hands. But you never know. I mean, I may touch something and go like that without right. thinking. Just out of habit. So out of habit. Exactly. Um, or, you know, you're so. in the car and you happen to put your hand up. And you're like, oh my. And I, and I keep my, you know tools in the car that I have a spray bottle and yeah. wipes and everything and I'm wiping down all the time so I totally get it. Yeah, so it sort of um, gives a false sense of security when at any point a lot of times, you know, a couple in a couple of those cases, the adults brought it in, right? Because they had gone somewhere they shouldn't have gone, mm -hmm. and didn't say and, and you know, around people who got and now they brought it in. I'm like, oh my god, now I don't feel well. Yeah. <laughs> and then I also think about how you know, as parents, we've all been guilty of doing this. I'll say I have. You know, our child wakes up early in the morning. You have a meeting. You mm -hmm. have a book day, and your child is saying, "Oh, my stomach hurt. My head hurt. What do we do? Go to school. You're going to school. Go to school. Let me. them call me if you if you're sick <laughs> or or we get them and a lot of parents were saying this oh well if my child wakes up with a fever mm -hmm. i'm just gonna give them, give Motrin, them some Motrin and, send them, to and send them to school um exactly. and i cringed when i heard that but yeah. this is the way that many of us have had to yeah. sustain and now we have to think about it and now we have to be more mindful we have to be more mindful because now if the child has a fever and even if it's not COVID, they have to quarantine for two weeks mm. they have to quarantine for two weeks because we don't know is COVID or not COVID or what? We don't right. know what it is. And then we're entering into flu season. That's going to be another, <sighs> another layer. You know, another level. You have a lot of children that are asthmatic. At, yes, exactly. At first I was saying, you know what, with all this wiping and masking, and we shouldn't have such a bad flu season. But the problem is the flu is a strenuous virus. Mm -hmm. It's not like COVID. Right. <laughs> so. so you run at the risk of that. Yeah. Talk to me about some of the consistent trends that you're seeing in the district since um, school has reopened. Like, I know well, one of the complaints that I got <laughs> from a lot of people, yeah. especially educators, were, mm -hmm. listen, we've given them the tools, everything that they need and have access to their Chromebooks and so forth, but they're not logging in. 
Mm -hmm. um, and what I found um, towards the end of the school year, it wasn't so much they didn't log in. It was alluding to what you said mm -hmm. earlier. Many of the, many didn't know how to use the technology. Especially in the lower grades. In the upper grades, yeah, because the high schools use them in it all. They use them all the time. But the lower grades... Very difficult. So are you mm -hmm. seeing it getting a little better now? Because I know there were, you know, I, I, I was so. being leaned on by mm -hmm. other agencies to kind of do check-ins mm -hmm. and kind of help families along the way with the other agencies that I work with throughout the yeah. state. And mm -hmm. one of the things where, you know, I just don't have time. And you have to explain to parents, like you said, yeah, they're working. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not able to get online until 6 o'clock. And at that time, school is over. Well, send your child to school. Yeah. Send your child to school. To school. Those are only choices, either online or in school. Yeah. We don't have a. We don't have even no, if we had right. a hybrid, it would be a couple of days online and a couple of days in school. So it would still be that. Right. It would still be that. So um, you know, trust us and send your child to school. At some point, we may still have to go hybrid, but <laughs> or on a rotation. We'll deal it with might it be when better. we get there. <laughs> yeah, but so so yeah, I don't see too many issues like that. I may have had two people email me this year. Last year, oh, every other day it was like. I can't get in. My computer yeah. doesn't work. I've tried to call people. I can't get an answer. And I'd be on the phone with people saying, okay, let me see what I could do for you. Let me see what I could do for you. It's mm -hmm. not like that this year. So I think it's better. I think uh, some of the training has helped. Okay. At least show them how to get into teams, mm -hmm. what to look for, who to ask for, mm -hmm. you know, help from. Some of the teachers were phenomenal. They went to people's houses and helped them. And that, Believe it or not. And, you know, and that is you know, what human so. and social service is all about. Yes. Kudos to those folks that did yes. that. They went to their houses. They helped them. Some of them said, okay, bring it by the school. I'll come in. When the schools were shut yeah. down, I'll come in and help you. So they got a lot of help. And I think yeah. that I think that helped them. Awesome. You know? Awesome. You know, the, the other piece is, you know, when you have parents that don't speak English, mm. Now that becomes that becomes another another layer to it. You have mm -hmm. to now find someone who speaks their language to help them, mm -hmm. and you have to do it. There's no oh they don't speak English. What can I do? no? We we don't say what can we do. Right. You find a way. Right. That's how that goes. Yeah. We find a way. And that is a major barrier mm -hmm. because there's a deterrent as to you know children getting on. Um, and I think that this also kind of puts like I said, a look on what's going on in our society, where we need to improve. Um, I think a lot of agencies who have, um, you know, second language programs, it's caused them to come out and be more vigilant and yes. offering services and yes. more services. You know, human and social services kind of was like on the low radar. Now yeah. they're, they're at a, the top of the radar because some mm -hmm. of the things that we need to sustain right now is happening on the human and social service we level. We need to get them come through because, you know, kids need tours. Mm -hmm. You know, when we shut down, uh, but thank God there was a, um, I'm part of something called the STEM ecosystem. And yes. there was a woman who was providing, I think her name is Valerie, I have to remember her name. She was providing tutoring services mm -hmm. for the kids over um, by Cross and those projects over yeah. there. Trumbull Gardens. Believe it or not, there were like 15 families who was utilizing the service, which was excellent. Right. Of course, one of the problems was one of the students needed a, a device. Right. And at that time, we were really trying to scrambling for devices, mm -hmm. but they found they found a device for the student and they offered tutoring services. Wonderful. So we need our community agencies to step up. To we step ought, up. Yeah, we're back to it takes a village. That's yes. all it is. And that is my motto. It, it takes, takes a, a village. village. <laughs> and my other motto is if the child does not feel the warmth from the village, Something's he or she will burn it down. That's right. Something's and so <laughs> we, we have to be that warmth and provide that yeah. service. Um, Dr. Morgan, one last question I have for you. And, you know, I talked about it a little bit earlier on. What is your stance on social emotional learning? And I don't think that's on there, but no, I had to is, throw that one is, in there. Right oh, it here. is. Yes, okay. Yes. So I, SEL, what are you thinking? What, you know, where do we stand? Because we're we, going to need it. We have to have it. Yes. There's no way to, we have to have it. We have task teachers with incorporating that. We said when you come back, we don't want you starting with no algebra, algebraic equations. You're going to talk to these kids about how they feel, how they're feeling, uh, what they think is going on about everything, equity issues. You're going to talk about COVID, how they feel about that. Mm -hmm. You're going to talk to the ones who are home, the ones who are in school, and you're going to do this every day because they need to vent. They need to get this mm -hmm. out. We need to talk about it. We need to make them feel comfortable, make them feel safe and secure. And the way to do that is through social and emotional learning. Absolutely. Absolutely. And it's key for our SPED students. Yes. Key. And that's what I was going to ask next. Have you, key. has the district uh, worked with other agencies to kind of incorporate uh, social 
social emotional learning uh, mentoring programs. Mm -hmm. What's what's been happening there? Have there been yeah. outside agencies coming in to oh. offer those services? Definitely. First of all, we have a, a social and emotional coordinator, district coordinator. Mm -hmm. Okay. So we offer trainings for everybody. Wonderful. We have trainings for parents. We have trainings for teachers. I've been through several trainings for, for restorative practices myself. So awesome. we go through all sorts of trainings. Um, what mentoring programs do we have, though? trying to think um, do we use RIASAP we may use RIASAP okay you know for mentoring so we do have some things going on uh, males of color yes. I don't know you know about males of yes. color they have some mentoring going on yes. there but um, in terms of social emotional learning we do a lot yes I can't tell you everything because I can't remember all of it it's a lot but I know that it, it is part of it is part of what we do it's not a separate thing mm -hmm. it's kind of ingrained now mm -hmm. because we've been doing it for about three years whenever we do anything we say make sure we are tapping into how students are feeling at the time. You can't just jump into learning because they're not ready for that until they get all that, mm -hmm. you know, stuff out of them. Yeah. Anyway, so. So that is awesome. Like I said, I am mm -hmm. extremely proud of my hometown, Bridgeport, <laughs> Connecticut. Any of my listeners that are either residents still or have lived in Bridgeport, Connecticut, you understand the joy that I'm expressing and being able to be part of history. This is historical. The change, historical. you know, 20 years from now, our mm -hmm. children are going to be able to talk about what yes. happened in 2020. That's right. You know, a lot of people were talking in the beginning of the year that this was perfect vision. And as we started getting more and more into the year, people were like, oh, well, what's so perfect about the vision? I think the, perf the vision is still perfect because it has brought light on areas that we need to get better do better so we can be better. I agree. I agree. It also brought um, opportunities. Absolutely. We we can do so much more. Our, our students, there are people who are on TikTok who are famous now, yes. people who do podcasts, yes. who are now rising <laughs> up. You know, we can have student podcasts going on. Yes. I mean, there there are so many different areas now that we can um, that we can excel in and actually make, you know, make a job. Yes. <laughs> make some sort of career out of. So I think the opportunities are there now. Endless. Instead of the usual you know, stuff that we've been going through. So it's what it's what some positives, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean for us we, we we're like, oh, this is not how we grew up but right. You have to adjust. <laughs> it will change this opposition. So with that said, I am so grateful for the change. I'm grateful that you allow Shattering <laughs> Glass Ceilings to come and sit with you today yes. and to glean from all of the knowledge that you're, you're mm -hmm. sharing with the community and just working overall to continue to make our students great. Um, yes. Anything else you want to add? Um, I like to add that, you know, uh, Bridgeport is my hometown now, <laughs> and so I live here. When I started here, I, um, when I um, moved here, I was still working in New York, okay. but I always felt that I should live where I work because I want to see the students in the community. When they see that you're in the community, you become a role model, they yeah. say, oh, there's Hey, there's Miss Morgan. Yeah. You know, so I've seen them in Macy's and Stop and Shop <laughs> everywhere. <laughs> and if you don't know what Stop and Shop, for those that are listening, that's our local grocery store. Yes. Some of you might have Kroger's or uh, Winn Dixie <laughs> or whatever, but that is our go-to <laughs> grocery store. And it is awesome to see that because Bridgeport really is a community. It's it a is community. a community. Um, and like I said, I was born and raised. It's not a place that I can't yeah. go that doesn't feel like home to me, and especially from the fact that I come from a large family. But that's a whole other segment to talk about. <laughs> Dr. Morgan, thank you so much for having us here. And I hope oh, in the future when we're past COVID-19, we can talk about other things that are happening in Bridgeport, That's Connecticut. That's very nice. Thank um, you. Thank you for joining us today. Hey, that was awesome. Just having Dr. Morgan with me today and just kind of sharing some of the ebb and flows that people are going through from an administrative lens was amazing. And I am so excited when I'm able to have guests that can glean from the experiences from their seat of what's happening in our world. You know, racial, educational, and economic inequities have long existed in America's school systems, and especially in our black and brown communities. I mean, you heard it, Dr. Morgan shared with us from the expert perspective what has been happening along the way and some of the things that have been going on to make change. We talked about our millennials, we talked about our students, and most importantly, we talked about how the impact has had on our community with COVID-19. Experts warn us that it's only about to get worse. 
But we're going to continue to pray for the best because, you know, as I say all the time, before anything else, I am a believer and I believe all things happen for a reason. And I also believe all things happen for the good of those that love the Lord. I know we don't want to talk about church and stuff, but I have to bring that in there because some of us are standing by the grace of God. So I won't get too much into that for our unsaved believers, but we'll keep it strictly special ed and education. Half of U.S. elementary and high school students receiving special education through virtual learning due to the massive COVID-19 numbers continue to rise around the country with the numbers increasing tremendously. Most of those numbers are coming from school and community programs since the recommencing of re-entry into the elementary and Uh, middle school and high school environment across many districts. As Dr. Uh, Morgan said, Bridgeport has done a tremendous job, and I'm sure other districts across the country are doing what they can to make a difference, and they're basically adapting. I will not say that this is our new normal. I'll say our temporary normal. This has given us grave implications in regards to our minority and disadvantaged students, especially those with ADHD and other special education diagnosis, because as we know, over the last six months, there has been a significant influx of racial and educational disparities that persisted for generations. And to be honest, we have reached a point in time where we can't just sit back anymore and adapt to this normalness and this foolishness because that's ultimately what it is. Our children deserve to receive a quality education, whether they have a disability or not, and we can no longer overlook those things. But I wanted to share some trending news because I'm always looking to see what's happening in other parts of the country in regards to special education. And I'm looking online and it's showing that Chicago could bring some special education students into the school learning environment face-to-face because for many of you that are in the Chi-Town area, their district has opted to go to an all-virtual format. And the proposal would be Chicago's first efforts to reopen schools to students since schools have reopened this fall. And they're given special privileges and opportunity to our special ed students. Chicago, as is stated in the report by Chalk Beat Chicago, Chicago is floating a plan to reopen school, building to some special education students for in-person therapeutic services such as physical theory or vision screening. A lot of our students require certain specials, such as occupational therapy, speech pathology, you know, those things that are issues for them based on the diagnosis. So it's really nice to hear that Chicago is taking the lead and starting out their fall all virtual format to make room and space, creating space for our special education students who have been debilitated, stranded, restricted, limited, whatever you could think of, our poor babies have been struggling. So it's really nice to hear that Chicago is taking the lead in that and and bringing some things into fruition. I want to talk and see what the world is thinking. I'm going to go and do something a little different today. And I'm going to go on Facebook Live and see what the world is talking about. Just sit tight and we are going to go live. I love to hear what's happening in the world. I love to hear what our social media platform is doing and talk about some of the things that the world has been um, challenged with. I know that we are in very trying times and from one day to the next, it's different. So I am gonna go live and I'm gonna talk about what is happening in our world. Hey, Facebook, this is Tanya Irby Langley. I'm going live as I'm recording for the podcast. As many of you know, I launched my podcast back in August of 2020 um, just to provide some support and opportunities um, for folks to be able to have a resource and an outlet. And I'm going to invite a couple of people online. How's everybody doing out there? I've been really quiet, had some technical challenges with podcasting, but nothing that I can't handle. I'm here now, and I just want to tap in. How is everybody out there with children? How are our educators doing? How are our parents 
of, of children back in school, especially our ADHDers. How is everybody doing as it relates to COVID-19 and trying to get back onto a regular routine? Chime in. I want to hear what everybody's thinking and what's going on in the world. I'm tagging some of y'all, so don't act like y'all don't see me. I see people coming on. Say hello to the sister. Let her know what's going on in the world. Hey, Marta Beth Soares. Hey, Tay Tay Soares. Hey, Petty, Peggy Guerrera. Hi, Larry Soares. Talk to me. What's going on out there in the world? Are we still at work? Are we still sleeping? What's our temperature today? And I'm just trying to see, you know, get an idea of what's going on. I'm excited because I had the opportunity to uh, interview Dr. Selena Morgan today. Um, if you don't know who Dr. Morgan is, Dr. Morgan is uh, the assistant superintendents of Bridgeport Public Schools. I have been friends with Dr. Morgan for many, many years. Uh, she was part of my child's educational process, and we have managed to stay in touch with one another over the years, and it has just been nothing but pure joy. And just being able to talk to people as they see me evolving, Today's topic was special ed, COVID-19, and other stuff from an administrative lens. Sometimes we have to kind of step back away from our personal experiences and kind of talk about what people that are in charge of things that we kind of judge and think that, you know, they have no sensitivity or understanding to what's going on in our world. Hey, Sister Crystal, how's everything? Hey, Metal Mar. Hey, Camilla's Closet. Um, just touching base and see how everybody is doing. Just doing a mental check. You know, I have been feeling a little under the weather the last couple of days and just, you know, not really feeling like myself. And even with COVID-19, you know, I know that we are just pushing along and making sure that we stay afloat. Um, but sometimes we need to check in on each other. And I'm finding more and more, you know, and talking to people, they're really struggling with where we are. You know, uncertainty is, you know, all around us. One day it looks promising. The next day it's a little bleak. But nonetheless, we're trying to stay afloat. So I am grateful for being able to use my platform as an opportunity, not just to stay connected with my ADHD community, but also to stay connected with my friends and family, those that I talk to and engage with on a regular basis with, with Facebook and Instagram. Um, you all see me. I know you see me. I know some of you are scrolling and trolling. Y'all don't want to like and share. But this is information that we need to be sharing. Um, as I said previously, when we are part of a village, we have to do what it takes to make sure our village is taken care of. And as I said previously, when a child does not feel the warmth of the village, they will burn it down. And I am tired of our children being let down. I'm tired of them feeling like they don't have the support and the strong systems that we are advocating for. People will share gossip. If I was talking about infidelity and all the things that go on in the world, sex lies and videotapes, we will all be tuned in, right? We will all tune in. We will all be here for some good gossip. We will all be here talking about what we're seeing. And we're all about what's going on with Cardi B. And what's his name? What's his name? Somebody tell me. Offset? Off right? What's his name? Offset? We, yes, we are guilty of being victims of the world. But we don't share the information that we need to build our village. And that's what I'm here for. We're going to build our village because if I touch one, I've touched a million. So I need y'all help, Facebook. I need y'all help, social media. Shattering glass ceilings has been in effect for three years. I am so proud. Oh, yeah, Offset. That goes to show you how much I really care about Cardi B and Offset. What that man and that woman is doing in their relationship is their business. Let's talk about the next generation of leaders. How is Offset and Cardi B and all of the stuff that they talk about? What does that have to do with our next generation of people? I want you to click like and share. Yes, Metamar, guilty. We can all use a little encouragement and check in. Thank you for rooting for me because sometimes the ones that root for you, you don't even know them. They have your back better than the ones that are sitting across from you smiling in your face. I am a realist. I can't help but to be who I am. I've hid from it for many years. I can't do nothing about it. So I can be real and I can be myself. And I find being myself is most comfortable when I'm talking about the things that matter to me. And what matters to me is ADHD. You know, you all sit back and you watch people. 
um, go through different things, you judge them, and you really don't know the story. I could speak personally from my own experience with raising my ADHD. Or, um, people would look at me, they would think I was mean, that I didn't have it together, I was crazy. You know when people don't understand something, they call you crazy? Did you know that? I didn't know for a long time that I was crazy, right? But what they don't realize is I will go through hell and back for my son. So if that makes me crazy for my daughter, that just makes me crazy. When you mess with me and mine, you got my full attention. Um, yes, I thank God for you today. My husband went underwent surgery. It's been for me today because no one can come to the hospital. Yes, and that is most challenging. Just imagining not being able to be there for your loved ones in trying times, going through a medical procedure. You know, any, I don't care how minor it is, a minor procedure makes you feel uncomfortable. Hey, Arlene John Jones, how are you? Is this my old neighbor, Arlene Jones? Hi, Miss Arlene. Thank you for tuning in. See, I have people, I, I won't tell you how old I am. But this goes a long way back. I'm close to 50, I will say that. But Miss Jones was my neighbor when I was six, five, six, seven years old. It is so wonderful to see the village showing up when you're on a platform like this. So thank you, Miss Jones. Grew up with her children and her grandchildren. Still have long-lasting relationships um, with with my neighbors and people that have watched me grow along the way. But I wanted to tap in with Facebook and see what everyone is doing. I wanted to tap in with Facebook and tell you to click like and share. Hey, Lavani Irvy, how you doing, cousin? Happy belated birthday. Thank you. You are awesome and amazing, too, and I love you to life. We have to take care of the ones that take care of us. We have to be on the platforms and be able to reach back and show people how you can do things. So many great things have been happening, and I'm not a selfish giver. Um, a couple of people that have followed me that are um, gleaning from the advice and the direction that I took the initiative to lead when I stepped out on faith. One day I'll tell that story on how I stepped out on faith and birth shattering glass ceilings because it was a birth for me. And I want to shout out Kiki Jones. I don't know if Kiki is watching, but I want to um, shout her out. Not to get too much into her story, but she's also launching a podcast. I think she's two days out. This might be the last day for her countdown. And I will be right there front and center. Her son has autism. And I watch Kiki, and I believe her son's birthday is today, um, 20 years old, I believe. He has autism. And she finally stepped out of her comfort zone. We've had very brief conversations in the past, and I encouraged her to step out because we need to tell our stories. Uh, someone is waiting to hear our story. So just to know that Kiki is stepping out and she is doing the thing and bringing awareness also want to shout out Camille Robinson. Um, she's also on, on podcasting. She moved, stepped out on faith and moved to Texas. So she's reaching uh, people in the southern part of the country. We got some amazing black and brown mamas on the grind. And I am so excited when I see it because it lets me know that I am in the right neighborhood. You know, we have so much going on against us as black and brown people. We don't need to be against each other. So I get excited when I see my sister and my brother's doing the thing. And we have to be the example for our ADHD. So I'm not going to keep harping on it. I know that, you know, I could talk on and on for days. But I want to leave you with this as I close out my session. This podcast will be launched in a couple of days. And I will release uh, this topic. So if you want to hear it from start to finish, as we talked about uh, some of the things happening in special education and education with Dr. Selena Morgan, I will post that. Follow me. If you you have not gone over to my Shattering Glass Ceilings page, I encourage you to go over to Shattering Glass Ceilings on Facebook. Like my page. Share it. If you have families that you know that are going through this and don't know how to talk the language that they need to talk, if they need help with understanding their IEP, if they need help in finding their voice, 
send them my way. Share the link, share the information. All of my information is in my bio on my Facebook page at Shattering Glass Ceilings. And you can also find me on Instagram at Shattering Glass Ceilings 94. Please, please, ma'am, please, sir, share the information. But what I wanted to share with you all today, this really touched me today. And I wanted to leave you with this, my Facebook family. I feel rested when I'm in places where love is present. I feel rested when I slow down enough and don't let the pace of the world become my pace. I feel rested when I talk to God. I feel rested when I finally listen and trust myself. Sometimes you have to trust and believe with your God-given gift and know that you are in the perfect time for such a time as this. If you like what you're hearing and if you want to continue to be engulfed and follow me on my journey, as I said to you, head on over to at Shattering Glass Ceilings on Facebook and follow me on Instagram at Shattering Glass Ceilings 94. As we close out our time together, I want to thank you all so much for tuning in with me on Facebook tuning in with me um, on this podcast. And I want to thank, special, special thanks, nothing but love to Dr. Morgan for joining us today. As we continue to strive in equipping and educating our black and brown community in their ADHD journey by sharing relevant insight on ADHD, developments in the community, culture, student work life balance, and so much more. I am a walking resource. I have so much that I want to share, so much I want to give, and I want to put the focus where it needs to be. I'm doing what I wish I was able to have done for me when I went through my ADHD journey. I wish I had a Tanya Irby Langley in my corner. Like I said, head on over to uh, Facebook Shattering Glass Ceilings on my Facebook page, like, share, comment, inspiration, words of encouragement, whatever it is you feel that can be of insight and inspiration, please share it. Head on over to Instagram um, and uh, follow me at Shattering Glass Ceilings 94 or go over to my website, which is www.tanyaerbylangley.com and join our email list so you can stay in tune with helpful tips free webinars and resources that are available to you, coaching sessions, empowerment workshops, and so much more. I thank you all so much for tuning in, and I thank you for continuing to support Shattering Glass Ceilings, the Black and Brown Series podcast. I'm out. Peace. <music>